Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Econ Americas podcast, where we share under the radar investment opportunities from countries across the Americas, North America, Central America, South America. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on all the major podcast platforms we're on. We're on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it. If this is the first time you are listening to our show, Econ Americas is a startup research firm that provides economic and financial intelligence. You can learn more about us and our services at EconAmericas.com. I'm your host, Daniel Duarte, editor at Econ Americas from Asuncion, Paraguay. And today I'm joined by Mark Brennan. He's currently CEO and co-chairman at Cerrado Gold, and he has extensive experience over 30 years of financing and operating mining uh, projects in the Americas, including Mexico, Peru, Argentina, Brazil. So he is the perfect man for the job of today, which is discussing gold mining in Latin America. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. It's my pleasure. Great. And to kickstart our conversation, Mark, why don't you give our listeners a brief overview of the region in terms of gold deposits and which countries are leading uh, are the leading producers or at least the ones receiving the most attention? Um, well, yeah, thank you, Daniel. I mean, I guess in terms of uh, my experience, uh, again, is, is in, in South and Latin America has really been focused on, uh, you know, Mexico, uh, Honduras, Brazil, Argentina, Peru. You know, it, it really often depends very largely on, on the commodities which you're looking at. In terms of the, the um, obviously, most of my experience ha has been in Brazil. Uh, in Brazil, I, I, I started with a gold company and, and then moved to a, a vanadium company, of all things, and, and uh, which not too dissimilar from Niobium, where, where Brazil has the leading position uh, in the world in Niobium. But then also, you know, uh, I've been focusing on, on uh, I've been in Argentina producing gold. But, you know, Argentina is, is a very strong silver producer, as we see elsewhere. Chile, obviously, on the copper side and, and lithium side, and then you have um, Brazil in the iron ore side, uh, in particular. Um, so, so they all have their their benefits, and probably you know one of the reasons why I've gravitated down towards South America and Latin America is because I find that that there's a lot more geologic potential for exploration than I would find in North America, uh, for example. You know, in North America, you know, we do still find significant deposits. But we still have, you know, the ratio of, of the number of companies who are looking for those deposits and the deposits themselves is, is very, very high. So, so you know, I, I prefer to go down to Latin America and South America. I'm, I was born in Colombia. I have a good experience. Uh, you know, I lived in Brazil. And, and so before I started my career. And so from that perspective, I'm comfortable in the, in the, the regions. I'm comfortable in the, in the, uh, with the politics and, and the, the machinations that occur. Um, and, and frankly, in, in many instances, I find them, you know, contrary to people's potentially people's perceptions, uh, that actually it's probably a little more friendly than than what I would find in in North America or other places. So I've had a very good experience in in, in South America and Latin America, and um, you know, my my uh, investors have done very well, and and I think that's what you know the communities have done well, of course, the stakeholders have done well. Uh, so so that's really what's been important. Right. Perfect. And as many of our listeners may know, mining is a big source of foreign uh, investment in Latin America. Latin America, there are very uh, large companies around the region. Can you give us a ballpark estimation of the amounts involved in this industry? 
I mean, what's the, the, the size of a company that, that wants to explore or develop a deposit in, in the region? What are the kinds of amount we're talking here? Well, I mean, it, it can vary substantially, right? And, and um, I think in terms of, of um, you know, you have many companies are international, whether they be Australian, English, Canadian, that go down to Latin America. And some of them are, are very large. You know, you get the Newmonts, the, the barracks of the world. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the RTZs and, and uh, such, and, and then others are very, very small. Um, you know, Serato, basically, we created the company for, for an asset in, in to, to go and develop the Monte de Carmo property. So the reality is that we did not have a company or any assets or anything uh, when we went to look at Monte de Carmo. And, and so, um, you know, we initially raised a little bit of money amongst friends and family. And, and so they can, it can vary significantly in size. Right. And your company, as you mentioned, has two projects, one in Brazil and another one in Argentina. Could you explain what was the decision-making process to get into those countries specifically and not others? Uh, what did you see in those uh, properties you are exploring? You know, again, I, I think for small groups and, 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 you know, we don't have the substantial and significant resources of, of teams, you know, of teams or money. That, that major companies have. And so we have to be very selective in terms of, of what we see and what we decide to get involved in. Uh, because often, you know, we become one, initially we become one, one, one asset companies. So if you look at, if you look at what, for example, Serato, um, we were brought a project by, by a couple of friends of ours who we've known for 30, 35 years. And basically these guys have a good history. They're two geologists who have a history of, of, of uh, finding assets and good assets. Um, they found the, the Volta Grande project, which is the largest undeveloped gold project in Brazil right now, with about seven and a half million ounces. The unfortunate thing is in, in a jurisdiction that, that probably in the Amazon, which is not so favorable. When they brought us this project, uh, it wasn't in the Amazon. It was actually in a very wealthy state that has substantial um, infrastructure. So, you know, we, we, we trusted these two geologists. We did our due diligence and, and we liked the project. Um, moving into Argentina, uh, I had never had any exposure to Argentina before. But really what we saw there is we saw an asset that had had substantial money spent on it. Uh, the previous purchaser, the previous owners, they bought the property for $100 million. They, they put in $120 million of infrastructure uh, and you had first class infrastructure. And we saw we saw a disconnection between the resource um, grade and, and what they were mining, which meant that they weren't, in our view, they weren't generating the cash flows that, that we felt they should. Um, and so basically, Argentina was a purely opportunistic perspective that you know we thought, okay, on a base case basis, we've got eight to nine years of uh, you know fifty thousand ounces of production of gold a year at a, at a cost of a thousand dollars. Well, if it, if a gold price is eighteen hundred dollars, I'm going to make thirty to thirty five million of free cash a year, which is a nice asset. But but also you know we we see tremendous opportunity for exploration growth. Uh, we've got a very big property there, and and so everything is just in you know the ingredients were all kind of they they fell into place. And and if I look at Brazil, we we published a PA last week, um, and and for the first five years, uh, it looks like we can produce 150,000 ounces a year for five years at a cost of 431 dollars all in. And and so that would put us as the lowest gold company cost of production in the world. Um, now, I never expected that when I got involved, but, but at the same point, you got to get lucky as well, you know, to a certain extent. Uh, so, so we saw in both instances, we saw there's a lot of risk, um, but, but at the same point, you know, we tried to measure our risk and, and, and determine what the downside was compared to the upside, and we felt that the risk was worth it. 
Digital nomads have boomed during the pandemic. Worldwide, they have surpassed 100 million. Like many countries, Colombia wants to track these high-skilled, high-income individuals who do not occupy local jobs. On December 31, 2020, the Colombian Congress passed the Entrepreneurship Law, which includes a special regime for digital nomads, tech entrepreneurs and remote workers. It creates a visa for digital nomads to stay between 6 and 12 months in Colombia and work from there legally. The law covers individuals who work remotely or independently for foreign companies. Those who work remotely for local Colombian companies are covered by different legislation. Since the Colombian government is still working out the details, information on the price, requirements and application process is not available yet. What is known is that applying for this visa will be easier than for a common work visa and that digital nomads must have international health insurance during their stay. Colombia, aside from its landscape diversity, mild climate and friendly people, have been developing the infrastructure to host digital nomads. Currently, there are 100 co-working spaces across the country. 53 of them are located in the capital city, Bogota. Foreign companies such as WeWork, Work, Latam, Regus and Spaces run most of the co-working spots. Tinko, with a presence in Bogota and Medellin, is the sole Colombian firm in this niche. To remain competitive, Tinko creates customized offers for clients and keeps prices low, starting for $53 per month. Digital nomads can also opt for co-living spaces such as Selena or Messiah, where they can share accommodations with other guests from one week or more. Digital financial services are widely available since more than 300 fintech ventures have been registered already. This makes it easier to live in Colombia comfortably while earning in US dollars or other foreign currencies. Econamericas will follow the updates on Colombia's visa for digital nomads. Subscribe to our premium content at econamericas.com forward slash subscribe to read our backgrounder on the topic and to keep up to date on other Latin America's economic and financial opportunities. Right. And in Latin America, we know there is a degree of political risk, uh, as in many regions, but in Latin America and in particular, there are uh, many factors and, and also with any change of government, it brings in new policies. How can you control for those kinds of risks or how could a company navigate those environments to uh, succeed with a project? Very carefully. <laughs> you know, it, it's always easier when countries have the rule of law and, and that they adhere to the rule of law. And, you know, most countries have the rule of law, but it's a question of how tightly they adhere to the rule of law. And, and I think in terms of Brazil, you know, I, I've, I've run or I've been involved in, in um, you know, probably, you know, three companies now in Brazil, two mining this is my third. So, so three mining companies and an oil and gas company. Um, and I've never encountered any form of corruption or any form of, of impediment to, to my business, aside from what I consider to be normal course. You know, in some of these, some countries, you tend to find that the institutions, uh, whether it be a mining agency or a regulatory uh, environmental agency, 
They may not be tremendously sophisticated, um, but they have procedures in place and, and they, they abide by the procedures. And sometimes maybe you'll find, you know, in the odd case, you'll see a leapfrog of one asset over another asset uh, because of government importance. And, and you know, that, that, that's something that happens everywhere. But I, I'd say that the, for the most part, you know, it would be very difficult, for example, to operate in Venezuela. That would not be an area that, I, that I'd be comfortable going. And, and, you know, there are probably a couple other jurisdictions in South America that I'd be uncomfortable with. But, but for the most part, you know, I find, you know, the rule of law uh, exists, uh, procedures and methodologies are generally adhered to. And, and that's the most important thing. There are sometimes there are consequential uh, macro developments that, that impede your ability to do business. Uh, for example, in Argentina, in 2019, while we're in September of 2019, while we're in the middle of negotiations for MBN, they introduced uh, you know currency controls, and and that that hurt. I mean that was a, that that hurt a lot of businesses. Um, ironically, you know the the government is trying to foster the mining sector uh, because the mining sector is a is a tremendous way that that many different countries increase their balance of payments by exporting. Dore uh, in exchange or, or, or commodity for, for U.S. dollars, um, and and so you know, but that's something that I don't necessarily view as something that is going to last forever, and and I think that that's a risk uh, that that we we had calculated, um, and and we felt that it was a risk worth taking, and and we feel that we can that we can operate within that that confine. So so long story short, I mean I, I think that that Argent, you know, the, sorry, the the uh, not only Argentina, but but South America, in my view, is a very friendly place to work. And and you know, I'm, I'm currently on the board of a company that that has a mine, an iron ore mine in Quebec. And you know, they Canada has brought in and Quebec, the province of Quebec, has introduced new environmental regulations that make it extremely difficult and and very li- very lengthy in terms of the timeline to 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 bring a mine into operation. Um, where I think that that perhaps in in South America, it's not quite as complex or as time or, as, or, or timely, which is very important to a young company. I see. And now that you mentioned Canada, I just wanted to ask you, why is it that so many Canadian companies in particular, like Cerrado Gold, which is based in Toronto, uh, are based out of Toronto and are listed on the TSX Venture Exchange or, or, or another Canadian exchange? Why, why is it uh, that Canada has uh, an outstanding presence in Latin American mining companies? I think I think I think Canadians generally have a very strong presence in mining globally, and 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 not just in Latin America or South America. And I think that's largely due to to the culture, uh, you know, that we have here. We we obviously are are significant exporters or, or producers of, of many commodities. But also, I'd say that the, the TSX has, has created a mechanism whereby very young company can can start uh, where you can't find this type of ability in, in, in other jurisdictions. And, and they've engendered a very entrepreneurial environment where, where you can go and create your companies and, and, and become publicly listed companies and, and, and you know, with, with jurisdictions within Canada or outside of Canada. And, and so, you know, I remember when I, was, when I was running Largo Resources, which I was a company I founded and, and took from nothing, you know, and, and, and we developed that into, a, you know, uh, the world's uh, highest grade and, and, and uh, lowest cost producer of vanadium. Basically, I was talking to my friends at, at Itau, the bank that were helping us there. And, and I was just saying, well, why don't you guys create a small cap exchange? You guys, you know, the government is always talking about fostering, fostering the, the mining sector. You know, why don't you create, a, you know, look at, at what we have at the TSX. 
there's nothing unique about it. You know, Brazil has lots of savers. Uh, they have lots of people with substantial investments. You know, the, the reality is that this would be a very good way to, to have entrepreneurs going out and starting mining companies with, with the very rich assets that you have in, in Brazil, for example. But, you know, I, I don't think they ever treat it tremendously seriously. But, but I think that, that that is probably, in my view, the biggest reason why we have so many mining companies all over the world is because of this mechanism to raise money in a public market at a very early stage, um, and, and hopefully well-regulated, I think it is, um, is a very good thing. Exactly. And here at Econ Americas, we have written uh, several backgrounders about Latin American stock exchanges and how um, little presence um, you have of, of not only mining companies, but startups. And a way for investors uh, around the world, world to get exposure to Latin American mining is through uh, the Toronto or the New York Stock Exchange or some other exchange outside Latin America, uh, ironically. But what should investors look in a company that is uh, doing business in Latin America? What are some strong indicators of, of, of a well-performing company? I mean, I, I guess the, the way I would look at investment um, in general, uh, and, and it would apply equally to, to Latin America, would be, First of all, you know, find the right asset. The right asset is critical because you know you can have good management teams, you know that 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 will drive a good asset. You can have bad management teams that can actually drive a good asset. Um, so the first thing would be find find a good asset. And there are many, you know, I think there are many good assets that have saved many bad managements. You know, but but in terms of the the second thing I say obviously is you know management. You know, make sure you have. A strong management team who are credible, who are capable, perhaps with a little bit of experience and having done things before, but that's not that's not absolutely necessary all the time. Um, and and you know the combination of which should be that that you know listen to what the story is and and listen to what the investment thesis is and see how the asset moves along in conjunction with the management development or, or genealogy, and and basically see how how well those are attuned and and how well you know, one, the asset grows, and two, through its development, it doesn't have to grow in size, but but through its uh, quali- quali- you know its quantitative, its qualitative basis, you know, and 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 then also see how well management have done uh, to push the asset forward, as well as to deliver on on what they've said they're going to deliver. I think those, for me, are the two major uh, components of of any business. You know, right. And of course, we're, we have talked about the financial leg of, of project and the uh, regulatory aspect. What else do you think uh, could unleash uh, Latin America's mining um, opportunities? Is it infrastructure? Is it um, you know, uh, education? I mean, training, uh, engineers, tec- technicians. Uh, what is, uh, is that in your opinion? Um, you know, my experience, you know, with, for example, we, we recently acquired, um, you know, this MDN in, in Argentina and, and, you know, we have very, very, very talented, well-educated and, 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 and very um, motivated team. And, 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 you know, we, we have generally, you know, 200 people at our site every, every week and, and every day. And, and, you know, I think what they, what they were lacking was, was the, the leadership, but, but I'd say that in terms of what would if, if, if the governments really wanted to attract capital and, and, and attract a segment, you know, again, kind of replicating what the TSX 
has, has done in Canada would be a great idea, in my view. And, and you know what? I, I'm sure if they needed help, I'm sure if they needed help, I'm sure the TSX would love to be a joint venture partnership with these guys. I'm not getting paid by the TSX. By the way, <laughs> sure. And, and finally, what is um, something that, in your opinion, is, not, uh, is still flying under the radar of investors but could grow over the next years? I mean, it's talking about mining in the region. Uh, do you think it's a particular deposit, uh, maybe inflation? What is a, a, a trend you think it's going to define the way things are done? I, I think the biggest thing is going to be the, the shortage of, of commodity and shortage of, of product. That, that's going to open up doors where, you know, I, I think that, that iterative generation is looking for, for fruit, which is higher and higher up the tree and, and away from the low hanging fruit. And, and so what I think is, is, is uh, critical is, you know, companies will, will, will search far and wide uh, and assets that historically may not have been attractive all of a sudden become attractive. Now, probably commodity prices have moved up and, and the economics of the project are better, um, but probably, you know, companies are more prepared to look at, at divergent kind of elements. But, but at the end of the day, it's, it's capital, right? It's capital that's driving that process. And, and again, coming back to it, access to capital is, is a very crucial and critical thing. And, and I think specifically as it applies to Latin America and South America, I think that there are a lot of investors uh, that I speak to potentially in, in North America and, and in Europe who, who, who don't want to be in jurisdictions, emerging economy jurisdictions. And, and I think as these jurisdictions become uh, more, more uh, stable over over a greater period of time. I think you know. I think that that is going to really unleash a lot of capital, which which will really drive uh, the mining sector. Perfect. And um, maybe I, just a, a final thought before we leave you, Mark. Well, I, I think in terms of uh, you know, as as a as a mining practitioner, you know, I, I think the sector is moving in the right direction. I think this whole um, you know, ESG movement is, is extremely positive in, in the sense that responsible mining, bringing in all stakeholders, whether they be the local communities or adding additional environmental um, components. I, I think these are all wonderful, wonderful things for the mining sector. And, and I think in, in, indirectly, again, it, it'll get more people interested in mining, which again, brings in more capital. So, so from that perspective, um, you know, I think the sector is looking good. Balance sheets are strong for the most part. Um, so, so it's a good time. You know, commodity prices are, are relatively high historically, particularly as it applies to the cost of, of uh, production. Uh, so I think things are, are generally pretty good. Perfect. Well, folks, if you want to learn more about uh, Mark, we'll leave uh, all the links in the show notes to his social media accounts, if he has any, and uh, his website, Cerrado Gold, it's also going to be there. And please leave us your comments, your suggestions, and uh, see you next time.